You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Okay, if you have not heard about Cash App, you're going to love me. You want more from all these free apps used for just free and fast money transfers, right? Well, I've got the hookup for you. The Cash App. The Cash App card is a free Visa debit card that lets you use your Cash App balance to pay online and in stores. It's also the only way to get Boost. Now, let me tell you about Boost because it's exclusive to Cash App. Boost are reusable instant discounts that work at places you actually go to, everywhere from Starbucks to Walmart to even the PlayStation Network store. You can do so much more than buy and save money with this. You can even purchase shares of stock in companies you love by investing as little as $1. Banking is also made easy. With Cash App, you can directly deposit paychecks, tax returns, and more to your Cash App balance using the unique account and routing numbers. And if you don't think things can get any cooler, it does by allowing you to buy and sell Bitcoin, the money of the future. Selling and receiving money on Cash App is as easy as entering a phone number, using another user's name, or simply scanning a QR code. Hit the special link in the show notes and get $5 just for signing up. That is, use that link in the show notes and get $5 just for signing up. So go on. Go ahead and hit that link in the show notes and get set up with Cash App today. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Ladies and gentlemen, you come here because every other day that a new episode comes out, you know it's going to be something completely different, uncanny, all new, all fantastic as we continue our journey into mystery in this wild world called life. For those of you that are joining me for the first time, because every episode is somebody's first episode, I'm your host, as always, Remsa W. Martinez. Go ahead and do me a favor. We like to go ahead and keep the whole podcast community over on Instagram, but you can find me everywhere else as well at HeyRemso, that's H-E-Y-R-E-M-S-O. I'm really pushing Instagram because that's where you can go ahead and send questions to guests. That's where you can go ahead and answer polls that really help make this show your show as we tailor the episodes to what the fans want. Because when we're all happy, I keep doing this. We have a good time and fun in the process. I think we can all use a little bit more of that. And I'm really excited because today's episode is something that some of you have been kind of like dipping your toes in the water waters of a little bit. Um, Some of you know what we're about to talk about based off the title of this episode, but uh, this is really the first time I'm really bringing what I do when I'm not here and I'm not working or doing other things to the podcast audience. Now, for those of you that do know, I'm talking about my TV show I do with my brother, Ryan, who produces it, The Witching Hour. We are a Nonfiction, completely documentary based paranormal investigation TV show, much akin to Ghost Hunter or Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures, Paranormal State, that type of thing. Except we do things a little bit differently. We predominantly stay in our home state of Virginia, but we've been to West Virginia, Pennsylvania, a ton of other places. And during this time, it's really helped me open up my worldview about the uncanny questions such as the afterlife, um, the occult, paranormal, supernatural activity. 
And typically it's been something that I've kept away from here, not because I don't really want to talk about it here, but because, you know, I, I wanted to kind of see how the audience reacted to things as I've been kind of, you know, putting out feelers and letting people know about the show and other things in past episodes. But you wanted to hear about it and we're going to talk about it. One of the things that I wanted to do, though, was I wanted to bring in somebody that's been doing this a little bit longer than me, somebody that I've had the distinct pleasure and honor of working with on many investigations now for over the past, uh, you know, year and a half or so. Um, he's somebody who I, I truly respect in this field because what we'll talk about is the fact that when it comes to the paranormal community, I almost equate it to like, you know, Bigfoot hunters, UFO hunters. There are a lot of people that can call themselves experts without providing very little evidence, without providing much experiences. But the gentleman that we're about to bring on has actually done all of this more so than what you know, me and my brother have done in the past. And he's been on several episodes of The Witching Hour, season one and season two. Um, he's just a, a, a well of information. So we're going to get straight into it. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So Jason, you're the lead investigator at Portsmouth Paranormal Society. For people that, you know, they, they just need to know the basics as we kind of build this up. How long have you been, you know, investigating paranormal and supernatural activity? And what made you finally take the plunge from somebody that was just a bit of a hobbyist to being a really well-seasoned veteran paranormal investigator? I'd say a lot of it had to do with uh, where I had grown up. And um, I actually started doing a little bit of this stuff when I was just beginning my teenage years, uh, the house I grew up in was haunted. And it was funny because my mom and dad used to try to scare me and my brother telling us how haunted it was. And, you know, growing up as a little kid, they would hear different things. The start of knocks on a wall started, then it, you know, progressed to footsteps. And I would hear like a humming of like an old woman's voice. Later on down the line, I realized that an old lady had died in the house uh, previous before my parents had bought it. She had a stroke, fell down the front four year stairs where she lay there for a couple of weeks before someone came and did a wellness check on her. Damn. On her dead. So eventually, um, as I was getting older, um, you know, you got to when you're growing up, kids, and they think it's cool to let's sneak into the cemetery real quick and see if we can find any demons or ghosts or whatnot. Well, don't like, you know, I had someone die in my house. So then everyone's like, well, let's go to your house. So, you know. <laughs> we started doing little things with, you know, back in that day, we had cassettes and Walkmans where we could record and we do little things, you know, as dumb questions. But what we realized was, is that as we play back over the course of time, you could hear faintly like what I was hearing audibly throughout the house. Um, so is that really, really sparked my attention, even progressing what I was doing uh, later on down the line as I left left my home, went in the military and came to, came to Virginia. I uh, kept doing what I was doing. And um, I was a member of other teams, but I wanted to start my own and do things my way. So that's where we are today. This is, um, th this is something that a lot of people, it, it seems that, okay, we, we live in a, in a world right now where when you look on TV, when you look at the internet, it seems like everybody has had 
a experience. And I'm not talking about just everybody as in people who already believe in this stuff. Uh, I'm even including people who, you know, they, they might be secular, they might be atheist. It seems that even if they don't necessarily believe in the afterlife, you know, when you bring up the topic of ghosts and the paranormal and stuff like that, everyone has a story. And I've heard it enough times where it's like, you know, I don't really believe in this, but let me tell you about this one time. Everyone has at least a one time type of story. So as you're, you know, as you're a teenager and you're really beginning to notice these things happening, what what did you think it was? I mean, were you already inclined to think that you know, you're dealing with potentially the disembodied spirits of people who have died. I mean, what does, what, what does that look like for a teenage Jason? What were your views of the afterlife and things like that? And how did this experience really change things going forward? Um, well, you know, it was more along the lines of back then, you know, ghosts were cool or we thought it was cool, you know, it was fun to be scared. Um, and that's how, you know, jumping in a cemetery in the middle of the night and running around trying to hide from the cops before they catch you. Uh, it was all fun and games. But once I started hearing recordings of what I was experiencing in the house, um, it started really making me believe, okay, this is real. Is it what it, what it claims to be like a lot of people get the idea when you think of ghosts you're going to see something you see uh an apparition of a person every time walking past you or you're gonna hear like you're gonna have a conversation with these things you know what are they really really now we can look at it and say they're more of like bursts of energy or they're cold spots or they might be a whisper of, a, of an evp um, there's only been one time where I've actually captured something on camera that I believe was an apparition. And I know you and Ryan had analyzed it on numerous occasions from when we captured it at the graffiti house. That's some scary shit, which folks, Man. I'm going to go ahead and include a clip of everything that we, we talk about in the show notes. I mean, that, that video alone, like I, I've got to tell you, Jason, I've seen a lot of strange shit that light anomaly that you captured. And I don't even think you were in the building. You left it there overnight. That is one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed in my life. Matter of fact, uh, yes, no one was in the building during that time. We had, you know, I, as uh, investigating with me on numerous occasions, you know, I like to set up static cameras throughout the facilities that we investigate. And at the graffiti house, I had them in um, both of the main rooms where the graffiti was on the walls. We had left because we wanted to go check out Fleetwood church. Um, and so we went folks, to- what we're talking about is we're talking about the, the graffiti house museum in Fleetwood church, which is in, um, outside of Brandy station outside of Culpeper, Virginia. Um, very, very, uh, I highly recommend visiting them. Even if you're not a ghost hunter, just go and look at the history. The history alone is worth going. Definitely. And that's one thing I'll say that um, paranormal investigating has got me into. It's got me into a huge history buff. Um, but yeah, so we had left and we went to go check out the church. And matter of fact, right bef- before that time, they had a bell on the door handle. Remember that? Yeah. And when and when you shut the door, well, the camera picked up the bell, which knew that we had left. 
uh, after that apparition had happened or the anomaly, we you could hear when we come back and hear us talking. And when I had saw it on the camera, it was one of those nights to where I'm going over hours and hours of video. And it's one of those times where I'm start getting tired. And when you start basically staring into space on your laptop, watching the video, it's time to call it a night. Well, I had captured that like, like it just hit me and I didn't know what it was at first. So I rewound it. And then when I saw it and I freeze framed it and I went by frame by frame by frame. And I was like, I got to show this to that team. And we were, when we went back, we we're trying to recreate it. And we just couldn't. And I truly believe is it is what it would, what I captured was an apparition passing the camera. And I mean, with, with this type of stuff, you know, as as a as an investigator, the one thing that I had to realize very early on is that we're dealing not with a science. We're not dealing with something that works in you know usual tangible. You know, you could smell it, you could taste it, you could see it, you can sense it type of stuff. We're dealing with anomalies and occurrences that really only happen. And for some people, may, maybe once in a lifetime. And I know that my some of my biggest challenges when I started investigating, well, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. When I first started doing this, it was really because Ryan and I were more on the skeptical side of things. We were doing a, a docu-series called Haunted Republic. This is really the predecessor to the witching hour, way before we even had Argos Paranormal, which is our uh, small group. And the stuff that I was encountering, whether it was the the strange occurrences of flashlight sessions, whether it was shadow figures, whether I could catch it or not catch it. The thing that I had to understand is that I, I, you know, when I show people this evidence, yeah, it's the best evidence I can show, but there's, there's something different when you're there, it's more real than when you're watching it. Um, What were some of the things that, you know, you, you kind of started with when you started investigating, what were some of the tools and stuff that you used to try and capture this? Because very early on, and I tell people this, you know, now for the show, we're using state-of-the-art film cameras. We've got all the equipment. Most of the time, we'll have to go somewhere like three, four hours early just to set everything up. At the very beginning, it was a couple of flashlights, maybe a radio, and some DSLR cameras. I mean, I'm talking like ghetto ghost hunting. Uh, when you look at the first Haunted Republic documentary that we did, St. Albans Santorium, then you look at what we're doing for the show now, it's night and day. And I remember when I was seeing your, your, your whole getup for the first time, I'm like, holy shit, this guy means business. So where did you kind of start with things? I know you, you mentioned the, the Walkmans and stuff when you were a teenager, but when you really started kind of getting into it, what were the tools and stuff that you used to try and pick up this uh, evidence and how have you kind of evolved over the years? Well, it's kind of like, you know, if you if you search online for a beginner's ghost hunter kit, you know, it's funny because people make them. You got they got a temperature meter. They have a flashlight. They have a digital voice recorder. Basically, your three basic tools that you need Um, over the course of time. You know, we started realizing that as we're getting evidence, we wanted to figure out, okay. At first, it was kind of getting hard because it's like, where was this person during this time? Were they in this room or whatnot? As we're thinking, we're capturing voices. So then the notebook wants to come and play. So now you want to document where people might want to go at what time. Um, 
I remember my mom used to have one of those old video cameras that you rest on your shoulder and it had like the little, the little eye screen that came Oh, we're talking old school. Yeah. And, uh, I used to steal that from her and we used to <laughs> go out and try to videotape stuff in the woods or whatnot, hoping that we capture something. But, um, little did you know that, you know, now you, they come up with the full spectrum mode cameras and, um, I'm not, I'm not big into buying things like that. So I, I'm more big into making them. All those cameras that we use for static camera are, are actually modified by me myself. I literally took the camera apart, took the lens out, took off the IR filter, put the lens back in, refocused the camera, and that was it. And that's why if you went to my YouTube channel, look at my videos, um, you see like that purple or light blue haze because it's catching all ultraviolet. Then you... You got into the K2 meters to measure EMF readings. And some of the equipment I look into as sometimes I think it might contradict itself. Like I've seen people where they'll take an EM pump and just want to put a K2 meter right by it and say, oh, look, you know, we're capturing some type of paranormal phenomena, but really you're capturing what the EM pump is, is pumping out of, of it and the K2 meter is getting it. So you kind of learn the tactics along that as well. What do you do that can interfere with what another what, what another um, way of you doing something, you know, uh, an experiment or whatnot? You know, um, yeah. you, matter of fact, you and Ryan are the first ones that I actually witnessed a flashlight session with. And I, and I was very skeptical about it. Um, but then when it was doing it on demand with the questions, it was ridiculous. That time when we were in York PA and you said, I'm going to count from 10 down to, down to one. And as soon as you went to one, that flashlight turned on. Yeah. I mean that it, it's one of those things where the, the first time I had ever seen that happened, we were dealing with somebody who was, apparently a, a psychic and you know just as a disclaimer i you know I, I personally believe that psychic phenomenons are real i'm just very skeptical of the people i meet it's like with you know the the theory of like past life regeneration or or um you know being able to live multiple lives well i i've met like four people that have said they're queen elizabeth at some point. So I'm, I'm a bit skeptical of that too. I, I was skeptical with the flashlight sessions and for, for folks, um, I'm, I mean, I'm going to include a bunch of videos and stuff in the show notes. So you got to see this to really believe it. But basically what it is, is you get those, those screw cap flashlights with the twist tops. And what you're basically doing is you're twisting it to the point where the, the filament inside is just barely getting enough charge that if you were just move it like a, a fraction of a centimeter more to one side, it would turn on or off. And what you're basically doing is you're distancing yourself from it. So essentially the, the theory is if there is any type of spiritual activity or energy there, it will use the, the weak charge to either light up the light or turn it off depending on how you have it set first. And it's one of those things where a lot of people have, have reached out and they're like, well, I did that as a kid. We would play the talking flashlight game. Well, it's a little bit different because flashlights have kind of changed a bit by then. Uh, the, the screw tops are a bit more facet now. But I mean, the first time I did that and I saw that, I, I didn't know 
whether the guy's flashlight was new or not, whether it was a trick flashlight, something that people have often said in the comments of our YouTube videos have been, oh, maybe it's a remote control flashlight. Well, find me a remote control flashlight like the one I get at Walmart for $5 and I'll, I'll believe you then. But um, when we started doing it, I remember we had bought the batteries and the flashlight that afternoon. And typically we have a tradition of going out and getting fresh batteries each time to kind of, you know, check ourselves with that because maybe, maybe the batteries are weak. Maybe the flashlights are busted. They're cheap. Um, stuff like that is, is really good for finding that initial interaction. And I do totally understand why people are, are skeptical of it. It's just like, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, once you kind of get the rhythm down, it makes sense, but you kind of have to see it to believe it type of deal. You always have to be experienced of actually doing it, you know, in order, you have to have pretty much experience on actually setting that, that flashlight in that mode. Like you, you have to have it perfect. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, so, and, and it can be tough. Sometimes it takes you five, 10 minutes before you get that sweet spot. I, I let Ryan do it because I get frustrated after like four or five times. I want to throw it against the wall. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that's kind of strange. And I mean, this is what I want to kind of, you know, talk, talk about next is kind of like the process for this when we're trying to capture evidence. Everyone does it differently. Some are better than others, but like, here, here's what I do. Like if I'm doing a flashlight session, for example, what I want to do is I want to try and catch three, three simultaneous layers of evidence. I know there's probably a better way to describe it, but basically I can't just believe one thing is happening. Therefore something crazy is happening. I want to try and find enough evidence to go ahead and create my case, so to speak. So what I do is if I'm doing the flashlight session, okay, the flashlight could be going on and off and it might be, you know, corresponding to my questions, but what I want to do is I want to try and capture something physically happening. So I'll have cameras everywhere. I want to go ahead and make sure I have a spirit box or a phasma box, which are two devices that basically channel through either AM, FM, or internet radio stations. And the idea is that spirits or something else out there can basically tune it to select the words that they want to go ahead and speak to you. So what I try and do is I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, we get, we're getting the flashlight activity. Let's see if we can get words coming out. Okay, now the words are corresponding to the questions, which are also corresponding to what the flashlight's doing. Okay, let's see if we can hear something around the room. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to see something. I'm trying to hear something, and I'm trying to experience something. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes for freaking ever to do that. I mean, you've certainly seen how long we'll wait sometimes to get something to happen. Sometimes stuff will happen fast. Sometimes it'll happen like in a short burst and then maybe, you know, maybe waste our time or not. But it's um, it, what I'm trying to stress is that it's a lot more difficult than what some people see on TV when they see other ghost hunters do this because what they're showing you and what we're showing you sometimes is really, you know, maybe a half a day's long investigation condensed into a 50 minutes an hour long show. The stuff is more difficult than some people really realize sometimes. Well, you know, when we, when we just posted the um, Crawford road video on our YouTube channel, we had to go out there three different times to investigate just to get that little bit of evidence. Uh, which one was that? Was that the one where you caught the thing under the bridge? Yes. 
Okay, so for, for people who haven't seen that, and send me all the links. I'm going to put them all in the show notes. Kind of walk us through how that whole uh, investigation worked. Okay, so Crawford Road is out in Yorktown and is known to be one of the most haunted roads in all of Virginia. Um, paranormal teams from all over the place. It's hard to investigate now uh, just because of all the, uh, you know, Pocosin deputy sheriffs and everything that patrol that area. Uh, fortunately for me, we have some friends out there. <laughs> but um, we went out there on three different occasions. And so what they say, so I, we do know that there's been a lot of unsolved homicides and murders out there. Bodies have been found. I think they said like within the past decade, what like like 30 some bodies might've been found out there. I don't know how accurate that is. That's a but fuck ton I, of bodies right there. Well, I, I did read up on, you know, a military guy who was uh, murdered in like, I think 2016 and his, his killers are actually in prison right now, serving over 20 year terms. But what, you know, when we were there, I actually called out his name at the gate where they had killed him and they found a body. And I asked, are you here? And I got, yes. Like. What would you get it through? Were you using something? I was using a spirit box, but it didn't come through the spirit box. It was actual an EVP. Oh, wow. It was an EVP that I heard behind the spirit box. Uh, Now, you know, it's kind of like when we went, under the bridge now the bridge there um it's got many names i've heard people call it bunny bridge i've heard people call it crybaby bridge um i just know it's a, it's a bridge there's creepy look um there's a lot of claims that happen at the bridge but some of the some of the um i guess some of the stories of it that there's a everyone has a runaway bride and it, the runaway bride went left the altar and hung herself from the bridge uh, there's been multiple hangings, they say, that have been there. A lot of people commit suicide. But when we were there, uh, I had a spirit box going underneath the bridge. And I asked, what happened? Did anything happen here? And I got a voice saying someone was killed. Just like and, that? Yeah, just like that. I asked, wow. um, you know, who, 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 who killed themselves or anything here? And I got a guy that said, Richie. And then there's another night where we actually went on top of the bridge and up there, I guess they, they used to, they have some cult members that used to do uh, satanic rituals up there or they, whatever. But we go up there, it's a big pentagram painted on top. Uh, it was funny because when we went up there on a spirit box, um, am I, am I allowed to, am I allowed to say any cuss words? No, go for it. I've already dropped like five. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, when we got up there on the spirit box, you hear a guy's voice saying, Hey, assholes to me, Scott and Andy that were up there investigating. So, uh, I could tell you from based what I got, I, I believe that, you know, based on a news articles of people getting killed, I, I believe I I've gotten contact with someone that might've been killed out there. I believe that I've gotten contact of an angry spirit, um, by calling us assholes. I mean, it's pretty much class a over the spirit box. Um, and, and I think I captured a couple of yells or screams, uh, in the background that were actually EVPs, but it's, it's, it's pretty creepy. Uh, matter of fact, we were going investigating there, just the locals that drive down the road It's funny because they would stop and sit underneath the bridge and like, as if they're going to wait for something to happen and then they would take off. But it was like, it's like a normal thing out there. 
Yeah, we, we've got, so we actually have Bunny Man Bridge as seen on a Scariest Places on Earth and Atlas Obscura online. And I mean, I, I've been, I, I used to go there as a, as a teenager all the time. In fact, I, I recorded an episode a few weeks back talking about all the stupid shit I used to do with my friends there. And that was one of those places very early on where I, I thought, okay, because that place is fake and because there's no haunting or anything weird going on there, other places must also be kind of, you know, being kind of screwy with the truth as well, which is why I was, I was a bit of a skeptic at the beginning. But I mean, when you're collecting this evidence, I mean, you're, you're not only capturing it, but you're also going out there with, with, with members of your team, with uh, Portsmouth Paranormal Society. You're getting people who are witnessing and experiencing this with you. And so it's always one of those things where I, I, I like to work with other people. You know, sometimes it's just me and Ryan if we're going out and field testing equipment, but I like to have other people with us because sometimes just having other people out there with you can either help you discern between, okay, some, did, did that really happen? Or am I just thinking that? Or, yeah, I, I, that totally happened because so-and-so just had the exact same experience as me. Well, you remember that time when we were in Yorktown, um, not Yorktown, but out in York, and we were at the Speakeasy. And you guys, oh, yeah. said, you remember, and, and, uh, <laughs> we were setting up equipment, and you're trying to mess with me by knocking on the door. <laughs> 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 but uh you gotta have fun with these things folks you gotta have fun with it <laughs> but now but when when i opened up the door and you and ryan were coming through the motion sensor started going off and you saw it and the yeah. camera captured it and the thing about it was we're on concrete floor so what kind of vibrations could really travel through that yeah i mean that and it's you know folks to kind of describe it it's this long ass base basement that was used as a speakeasy during the the 1900s and 1920s and like it, it's pretty cleaned up there's some stuff down there because it is used as a, as a bit of a storage space but for spaces like that when you're having motion detectors go off when you're having stuff kind of like fly across cameras and you can't tell whether it's just big clumps of dust or something else i mean the all this starts to add up to whether or not you believe it's supernatural that something just ain't right that something's going on there and it's it's always one of those things where luckily we we've you know we've been doing this long enough that we're able to discern between what is actual evidence and what is something that might not be evidence ryan uh ryan does not believe in orbs and that's usually something you see on tv a lot they're like oh look at this orb uh ryan doesn't believe in it ryan doesn't believe there's enough evidence out there to show of it actually doing something i tend to be more in the camp of it but you know everyone's kind of finicky when it comes to their evidence i know earlier we we talked about how when you witnessed us doing the flashlight session. That was your first time witnessing somebody actually do that. What are some of the methods of investigation that you usually rely on pretty strongly? And what are some of the things that you've seen other people do that you you're kind of skeptical on? You know, I'm as, as from what you and Ryan have and Brian have witnessed is that, you know, we're pretty old fashioned. We, we, you know, we're pretty old fashioned and old school at the same time. The, the foundation of our evidence usually comes from stationary cameras and digital voice recorders, anything that records the sound. Um, but 
you know, we have we have other types of cameras. I have a thermal imaging camera. Um, I even have a full spectrum cell phone that I can do if I ever wanted to do a, a live feed. I could use it. Like, is that like an app, or did you do something to the to the camera within your phone? Actually, a um, a friend of mine that used to ghost hunt had um, actually they actually kind of gave up on it because they wanted they wanted to pursue other things, I guess. But they gave me all their stuff, and one of them was a full good hookup. (laughs) Oh, it was it was a great hookup. Um, Yeah, Wayne was a great guy. Um, So. I had that um, Matt, of course, has an SLS camera, and you know, and and the thing about it is, we got the um, we got a K two meter, some cheap EMF meters that we like to compare the K two, and then we have a tri field meter. The tri field meter is actually more significant to us than any of the K two meters, right? because it it actually picks up more natural EMF than anything that's man made, right. And we've had we had a, a situation before um, where we do an investigation. We had two different meters. We had one. We had a, um, a EMF meter that picked up a man-made EMF, and you had one that picked up a natural-made tri meter, and they're both going off at the same time. And that really that was we can't explain it. Wayne was actually with us. We were at a bed and breakfast. Um, I'm not going to advertise them because he kind of did us wrong. So. <laughs> But, yes, um, girl. Yeah, so he was sleeping actually in one of the suites, and he had both meters there, and the trifold meter and the other meter were pretty much screaming at him, waking him up on three different occasions. They're going off for like 20, 30 seconds at a time. So that was pretty significant to us. As actually, I've never seen any EMF meters uh, be activated that long. That's crazy. And those things, like, you, you, you can, listen, folks, everyone's been on YouTube. You can fake things. You can't fake EMF spikes like that. That's just not something you really have any control over. Yeah, I mean, they're like EMF pumps, but usually, like, if everything's going, you know, hot red far at the end of the meter and all of it's doing that, then you might be skeptical. But for it to happen in the way that you described it, like, that's, that's something I myself have never witnessed. But I know if that's happening, then there's no way you could manipulate it to happen in that way. Well, the, the good thing about it is, was that um, the camera captured it. And see, I was sleeping in one suite. Wayne was in the other suite. And he had the big suite, which is where those two meters were. I had um, just a regular full spectrum camera recording me with an IR light. And now the story of it is ridiculous because I was looking at the timing of the cameras. Um, So what happened was that I heard someone coming up from the stairs at the bottom coming up towards and the back stairs ended up right there at my suite door, my bedroom door. I thought Matt was coming up the stairs, but he wasn't. He he stayed downstairs investigating by himself. Now they stopped at my doorway and I didn't see anybody when I looked up. I was in a light sleep. I looked up, didn't see nobody there, put my head back down, and I heard them walking away like they're going towards Wayne's sleep. During that time, shortly after that, that's what those meters were going off. So I'm looking at the time, and it's like maybe a 40-second time difference between from what I heard compared to the meters going off in his room. So I honestly believe that if it was an entity of any kind, 
It came up the stairs, which I heard walking coming up, stopped by the bedroom, and probably went in his suite, and that's where the meters picked it up. That that's crazy. I mean, just I mean, it's it, it's crazy, but it's awesome because you're able to capture that because you're able to film it, timestamp it, and then because you've got those devices there, you're able to really see, yeah, something something's actually triggering it. But then you mentioned something else. You mentioned you were actually hearing stuff. It's those experiences that I absolutely love. And I totally get why people are a little bit skeptical when I'm telling them this, because sometimes the only way to really understand something is to experience something that you can't share. And it's those moments where, you know, you might have felt somebody touch you. You might have heard something that no one else heard. You might have seen something that no one else seen. It's those experiences that that really are kind of a rush. It's why I love doing this. And ultimately, you know, while for Ryan and I, we try and put out as much of the of the evidence and the whole process we can in the show. I always feel like the audience is missing that important, you know, you know that 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 reality factor that shows them the things that we can't often capture on camera. What, what are some of the things that have happened to you that you, you weren't able to catch, but I mean, they, they kind of just stay with you to this day. So, um, St. Albans sanitarium, of course, you mentioned it earlier. That um, place is freaking insane. That place is huge. Not, not it's a pun. Like, like it is like a freaking labyrinth. And there are bats everywhere. Most places don't have bats. That place is freaking bats in there. It's got snakes too. Oh, I wish you didn't tell me that. <laughs> well, I've only seen one. It's a little tiny thing. That's that's um, still too many. Go ahead. <laughs> so it, when we when we go to places, I try, and if it's anything new, I try not to know any of the history before I go into an investigation. So when I when when we went to St. Albans, I was actually. I, w- I, w- I had not started Portion Paranormal yet. So I was actually a member of another team and we went there and I, I, it was one of my main first investigations around here with like a real formal team, which I learned a lot from. Um, I wasn't sure if I had actually seen what I had saw at one point, me and another guy uh, named Mike were investigating this hallway where apparently they say an angry ghost likes to walk around and just get angry it's over there actually not it's actually down from the main entrance by the grand stairway uh back down there and at one point we saw what looked like someone come walking out of a room stop in a hallway as if they stopped and looked at us for a second we started going off down the hallway walking fast pace and they kept cutting across like they went across the hallway into another room we went down there didn't find nobody so i'm like okay don't know what we saw, but it was some type of shadow figure, maybe. Uh, one of the things is you had Jacob's room, the little seven-year-old that was left there, um, was abandoned there a long, long time ago. And he got murdered by one of the maintenance men that slipped in the room next to him. Um, we had a time where um, we had I had asked him, what was his favorite thing that it had? And um, I don't have the recording because it was on a digital voice recorder during that time, but coin dropped on the ground and we all got started. I shined a flashlight on it. You can still see the coin kind of spinning around and like spinning as if someone like spun it like a, like a spinner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing that we do is that we don't want, we don't want anybody to have anything in their pockets, no keys, no change, no nothing. 
If anything, you can have your cell phone, but kind of have it on airplane mode or it's not interfering with equipment. Right. That way, so we know nobody dropped the coin. Um, later on, and then there's more coins laid actually laid out by my digital voice recorder. I could hear three little clicks on the recorder, but you also hear me saying, whoa, look, there's more coins over here. Uh, before the first coin dropped, you hear like a little kid's voice, kind of like woohoo, and then the coin dropped. So, but the coin, the coin is what got me. Now, like all the hairs on my body just freaking stood up just now. Now, here's the thing: we had a DVR camera, but the the team that I was with never reviewed the DVR, and the DVR doesn't even have sound to it, which is why I like the little GoPros that we used. Now, I went back not even five minutes later to start grabbing equipment and the coins were gone. And oh, that's and, fucked up. Yeah, it was ridiculous. That's then, fucked up. So then there was another time when we were walking through the basements. Now, one of the claims is that I found out later on was that people get things thrown at them down there. So as we're walking, I, there's three of us walking. It was Wayne, Jenny, and you met Jenny at Graffiti. Did you meet Jenny at Graffiti House? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, she I remember was- her. Yeah. No, no, that was Debbie. Never mind. That was somebody else. Um, another, it was another redhead, anyways. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I was I was in the back of the line. And as we're walking, it almost sounded like as if little stones were being tossed off the wall. Well, you know, is I became a smart ass and I turned around and said, you know, I'm glad you ain't playing, you know, I'm glad you ain't a pitcher for a team because you can't hit nothing. So we started walking. I heard a coin. I heard the uh, stone ricochet off the wall, and as I was stepping, it hit me in the bottom of the shoe. So yeah, uh, wow. That right, th- that right there really startled me. So um, there's another place. Matter of fact, you guys used to host live ghost hunts there, um, Bell Grove. Oh, that place is a freaking like I- I'm trying to find the right way to put it. It's like a, a small Ripley's Believer or Not museum of random stuff happening yeah. all at once. We have encountered everything you could possibly imagine in terms of uh, situations and evidence there, from EVPs to flashlight activity to hearing voices to fe- to being touched to seeing uh things me and uh another me and brian have both seen uh either women or children in like period clothing walking around there that place is yeah i mean it's it's a fun place to investigate sure well you know i remember they were having spirit fest there and one of the people that's taking a tour in a house said that they saw like an indent of a body on a bed like the indent on the bed in the shape of the body well, you know, downstairs by the dining room, they had that downstairs bathroom. It was real small. And I was in there, and um, as I was washing my hands, I could feel like someone slowly pulling my necklace out from underneath my shirt. And every, and I always wear um, a guardian angel necklace that my daughter got me. I could feel it coming out. And when I looked in the mirror, part of my chain was hanging out. No. So I'm just glad. No. <laughs> but i mean and other than that i mean um now me and matt had a real crazy experience but lucky for us we captured it on camera and we actually posted on our youtube channel for the uh hanover investigation for the hanover tavern hanover virginia 
not right up in the Richmond area, uh, recommend, you know, get in touch with Transcend Paranormal and, you know, they're the ones that that would get you in there. Um, now that was ridiculous. So me and Matt were down there in the theater in the bottom and he was facing back towards the door and I was facing the stage. There's a stage there and I could hear footsteps and it's coming like right at us. My personal handheld camera captured it and the stationary camera captured it. I can't remember the video if I put my personal handheld uh, footage there or not, but I know I got the stationary footage. You hear the footsteps. I'm tugging on Matt's shirt because at that point, I'm like kind of like in frozen mode. I don't know to be scared or to be intrigued. And I'm tugging on him and he turns around. I hear, what the fuck, dude? You know, <laughs> he's someone on stage. And then in between us, we could feel a cold spot. My left arm, he was to my left and my left arm had the hair sticking up and his right arm had a hair sticking up. It's like as if something was standing right in between us. And we had to actually captured a little girl's voice in there. And some of the claims was, uh, the claim was that a little girl hangs out in there. Oh, that's screwed up. But that's we had actually captured that on camera. So I was actually grateful we got that. Oh, wow. I, um, but what one, I mean, I've had, we, we, I, Ryan, I've been doing this for, for like three, three, four years now. And I mean, I could, I can name probably a, a dozen situations of stuff that happened to us at some of these locations that we didn't capture on camera or, but I mean, the, the one thing that happened recently, and this is kind of a sneak preview for uh, season two, which is out right now. Um, you guys recommended the the cabin on three sixty. Yes. That place. Yeah. So we went there after you guys checked it out. And uh for folks that don't know, it's this old it's this old cabin that was made um like in the seventies. It's on this battlefield. I, it's it's out near um Mechanicsville, I think. Yeah, it's in Mechanicsville. Yeah, yeah, it's out there. And right next to it is an actual home. And the home has been a bunch of stuff. It was an auto lot. It was a state farm. It's it's actually got funny because it has a state farm sign outside. But, you know, apart from the fact that, you know, it's on former Indian land, it's on a, a massive Civil War battlefield. You've got the cabin where stuff happens, but then you have this home right next to it. The, the property is all on the same property. The, the home was um, the home of this one family who in the... Uh, 70s or 80s, I think there was. I think, uh, I think 79. Yeah, like right around that point, this uh, this one guy had his two kids. They were kids from different marriages, and while he went out to work, his son had brutally, um, you know, raped and murdered his sister. You know, his daughter, the the, the son's half sister, and um, because of that, the house specifically, and I had more. Like I got more scared in the, because I still get scared folks. I'll be honest. I got more scared in the house than I did the creepy cabin because it's almost like, you know, that in the strange cabin with all the random dolls and shit everywhere, like you, you can kind of anticipate it, but with the house, knowing the history behind it, it made things really just, it, it, it made it feel uncomfortable and there's nothing in the home. Like it's, there's nothing inside of it. The, the guy who killed, 
his sister, he's, he's still currently in, in prison. Like he's alive to this day, serving out his sentence for, uh, you know, raping and murdering her. But the one thing that a lot of people have spoken about is the fact that they think that they don't just have regular spirit anomalies and things like that happening on the property between the cabin and the house. They think there's demonic activity happening in, in the house itself. And, like I've been, I've been touched. I've had stuff thrown at me. I've heard things. I've, I've had the whole gambit. But the one thing that really, like, it bothers me to this day. We're doing the walkthrough, and I swear we should just do a separate show just for the walkthroughs of these places because I feel like we don't, we never have our cameras or stuff ready when we should have it there. And the walkthrough, which is during the day, I mean, there's sunlight outside. Most people think it stuff only happens at night. No, stuff happens during the day. It's me, Ryan, Brian, and Dennis who who runs the the whole gambit over there, and we're in the living room, and we hear a woman screaming from the basement, and then we almost hear someone like smack her, like put his like put come around, put their hand smack on their mouth, and say shh. And it was just really fast. It was like a scream, smack, as if you know, to to cover her mouth, and then shh. And all of us just stare at each other. And like the, the hackles on the back of my neck are up. We're all staring at each other. And we're just like, are we the only people in this house? That is the only time I've ever looked at a person. And I was getting kind of accusatory towards Dennis. I'm like, Dennis, are we the only people in this house? And he was like, yeah. And we all just heard that. Now, when we investigated that, I remember... Um a lot of our EVPs that we captured were strictly with the cameras inside the home alone because we went walking in the woods doing investigating and we actually had captured some, some people yelling for help in the background. But I remember at one point when we were in a house, you hear me upstairs talking and the girl's voice in the basement was actually repeating what I was saying. Oh, that's screwed up. And then, um, but like you could hear, I had like two other, I think little EVPs where I heard a little girl talking and then another guy from, um, Ben from full noon paranormal was, uh, visit, uh, investigating with us. And he had a stationary zoom camera, um, where he had captured a female up on there as well. Okay, we're we're about to get kind of weird. You you believe that there's a difference between like ghosts, which we believe are the the spirits of deceased people, and and demons, right? Demons being well, exclusively what what demons are. I think that there's a lot of in between with that as well, because I, I know that I, I believe that you you've captured that you capture. Um, angry spirits as well so i think you know you got you got you got lost souls you might have some angry spirits uh but yes i, I definitely be there are some something demonic that happens in certain places because uh oppression oppression is one thing you hear a lot of where people start for for no reason whatsoever they can't explain it but they're getting depressed they're starting to get um angry at their spouse starting to get abusive towards their children and and then when they get away from a certain area, they get out of the home. They're totally they're, they're completely, completely different. different. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so we're so, on, we're on the same page of that. Uh, what, what what's your and I swear this is all got to tie together. What, what what's your opinion on doppelgangers? Have you ever experienced that? Never. Okay. I actually I actually don't understand them enough to really know what they are. So doppelgangers are essentially one of the the abilities that demons possess to basically take on a tangible form of you or somebody else. And um, within an hour of that happening at the house on the property of the cabin on 360, Ryan and I each experienced um, what we think was a singular doppelganger event. Now he, here's what happened. We were, were in, in the house. You know, it's a it's a it's a one story house with a giant basement at the bottom. Uh, most of the doors are are locked up, so we're opening things up. We're walking around the home. I'm in I'm in the far right side of the house when you walk in through the front door. So I'm like where the the small kitchen area is that leads into the basement, and then when you take a right, you can see where like the laundry is in that side room. And Ryan is on the far left side of the house where, where the bedrooms are. Inside the, the building, uh, we also have Dennis, and then we have our other cameraman investigator, Brian. At, now, here's, here's my, my experience. I'm in the kitchen area looking around, and I turn behind me, and I see Brian standing in the kitchen walking around kind of in circles he didn't have his camera i know he was collecting b-roll so i thought it was weird that he didn't have it he was just walking around and i you know i'm walking out back into the main living room i pass brian he walks in to the laundry room past the kitchen so i walk in and I'm, I'm the only one in that living room area. Ryan, who's on the other side, around the same time that I had that experience of Brian acting strange, Brian thought that, I'm sorry, Ryan turned around and thought that he saw Dennis standing at the entrance of the bedroom he was in. And he saw Dennis just staring at him. And Ryan asked him some questions and Dennis is there. And Dennis just isn't saying anything. And you know, Dennis just turns around and walks away. So me and Ryan have both seen two people we're with on opposite sides of the house acting strangely. Now, when I last saw Brian, he was walking into the the laundry room. When Ryan last saw Dennis, he was walking away from the room towards the living room. Ryan and I each leave both sides of the house at the exact same time. We get to the, um, we get to the living room at the exact same time. In the middle of it, Dennis and Brian are in the middle of a conversation. That and is creepy. Yeah, <laughs> that messed with me. It was like watching Christopher Nolan's Inception. I'm like, how can Brian be at the side of the house where there's no, there's no way that could happen? Like I'm thinking there's, I, I would have seen Brian come past me. I would have heard this conversation start. They're in the middle of a conversation. And as far as Ryan and Dennis are concerned, Ryan walks out and then he turns around and it's as if either Dennis like sprinted across the room and started mid conversation with Brian, but there's no way 
between when Ryan walked out the door after seeing Dennis move out to when he saw him standing in the middle of the room talking to Brian, he could have traveled that distance and have just started talking mid-conversation about something random. So I look at Ryan, Ryan looks at me, and we're, we both know that something's wrong, and we're both staring at Brian and Dennis in the middle of the living room. And we don't tell each other what happens until later that day, but that is one of those experiences where I know that I am not the crazy one in this situation. Because between the four of us, two of us each encountered two separate people who should not have been in that location doing what they were doing. And you know, Dennis has one of those voices that kind of echoes to the walls. Yeah. He's got like for a, for a string bean of a guy, like he's got burly voice. He's got a deep voice. Now I've had someone on my team have an experience similar to that about me. Um, we were at the uh, historic Avenue out in Bedford, Virginia and Matt was setting up cameras and I was setting up cameras in a different area. And he came through, he said, Hey man, I just, because I didn't hear you come out of stairs. I just saw you upstairs in the, in the leave room, setting up cameras. I said, that wasn't me. I wasn't up there setting up no cameras. So I, we immediately rushed up there and there was nothing there. No camera was even set up in there. And he said, he saw me setting up a static camera in there. Wow. Oh, that's screwed up. Yeah. I mean that, that doppelganger type of event, I don't believe that anyone has ever captured it on camera. And honestly, if we're dealing with, you know, an intelligent evil force like that, I I doubt that anyone will ever catch it on camera. But I mean, hopefully someone will, but I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, I, all, all I have is my word on that. It's just one of those things where it's like, once you start getting into this stuff, so things just escalate in terms of the, the high strangeness of it all. Well, you know, it's also one of those things that you would have to be hard to prove um, unless you could find two pieces of video footage in two different areas with the exact same timestamp on it. And you see the two people in the different areas. That would be one way to prove it. But how that's how, a ton of cameras. How accurate of a of a piece of evidence could that really be in some and in, into a viewer's opinion? Yeah, and I mean the the other issue of that is first you have to realize that something has happened to begin with. The only reason why I knew something was going on is because I saw Brian walk past me into a part of the house where he would have to walk out the way he came in. With Ryan, his biggest thing was how did he travel that distance so fast and how can he go from not talking to me, not looking at me to have to, you know, looking Brian in the eyes and having that full on conversation. Because at first each of us are like, okay, obviously we're missing something. Obviously we weren't paying attention to something. It wasn't until we, we spoke later and we're, we're asking them like, Hey, like why, how did you get over there? Why, why didn't you hear my question earlier that we start connecting the dots? I think it happens some more investigators than we may think, but it's that likelihood of having two events happen almost simultaneously within the same contained space. It's, it's noticing it's happening to begin with, which I, I think maybe, maybe trip some people up. But well, yeah, you it's, know, it's crazy. Well, you know, that house, um, there's only bedroom and there's only carpet in the bedrooms. And 
the main living room where Brian and Dennis it's were like talking. like wood panel or something. It's all wood. And, and with nothing in a house, everything echoes. Yeah. So you think back on that experience that you and Ryan had, uh, or was it Brian? Brian was talking to Dennis, right? And Ryan was yeah. on the other end. Yeah. Would did you guys did you guys remember hearing any footsteps? Because you definitely would have heard them walking. No, I mean it was as if it, it's something that going back, I'm thinking about it. I'm like he he didn't, you know he he walked past me. It's like I can hear myself, but I didn't hear him. And with you know Ryan, if Dennis had really traveled that distance, like he must be like lunging or sprinting. And when and I mean he was not in standing in the in the bedroom, he was standing like under the door frame. Like he, Ryan would have heard that. It's like yeah. Dennis just turned around, bam, he's in the middle of the living room. It, it was, and you know, in a situation like that, that's when you got to get more scientific about it. You know, that's why I, I bring up, did you hear the footsteps? Um, and, and stuff like that. And it, in like he said, no. So, and I can sit here and tell you, I wasn't there, but I know that you would have heard the footsteps because of how the flooring is in that house. If you didn't hear nothing, that was definitely something that can't be explained, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's always one of those things where if Ryan hadn't had something so extremely similar happen at right around the same time as me, I would have shrugged it off. I would have said, okay, obviously I'm too tired. I'm not paying attention. It's just something strange that happened, but I would have shrugged it off. It wasn't until, you know, everyone kind of starts questioning each other. And then I'm listening in on my way to say, let me tell you what just happened with me and Brian. I mean, I had asked Brian, I'm like, Brian, have you been over to the kitchen yet? Have you been downstairs? And he's like, I've just been in the living room this entire time. That's what concerned me. That's yeah. what freaked me out because then after that, then I took him into the, the kitchen in the basement, but he hadn't even been on that side of the house. And it's, and it's yeah. not a big house. No, it's, it's small. That's but what makes it so order. much worse. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, um, yeah. What were you going to say? No, no, I was just going to say like that, that's, that's probably the one moment where it's like, that's the most insane story I have not caught on tape. I mean, that experience alone, like that's the one phenomenon. Like a lot of people, like you, you do this long enough, you will have seen something. I bet. Like, I think more people see stuff eventually the longer they do this. Like you'll see like either a strange apparition or maybe you might see a person at some point. I think if people do it long enough, you know, it's always different per person. You will always see someone, something at some point. But to have something like that happen, where someone takes the form of somebody you work with, and then somebody does it to somebody else at the exact same time. That is one of those moments where things just add up all too well to it being a, a doppelganger event. Oh, absolutely. You know, one thing um, that I want to try to do as an experiment is um, I want to do an investigation with all the lights on like normal living uh, you know, one thing is when I, we go into these private homes, I, I meet a lot of people. Um, I, half the time I think they're crazy because it's usually someone that lives by themselves and I think they're lonely or whatnot. Um, and then like, it's one of those times where they're giving you a walkthrough of their house and you see like a whole medicine cabinet full of psychiatric drugs. 
So, but, um, um, I mean, America as a population is so highly medicated. That's what makes this so difficult. I think I saw a number that said like uh, one in three Americans is on like a- antidepressants or or mood supplement or or like oh, absolutely. Some, something emotional. Like we're, we we over medicate everything, and I think that's what I, I, I've we've had ex- we've had it happen far too often where somebody with a history of drugs or alcohol or mental illness within their family all start to hear something in the walls or hear something in the hallway, or maybe something has moved and they haven't done it. And, you know, we have to take it with a grain of salt because we're like, okay, if we're going to be objective about this, we have to look at you, the person, and we're not, you know, indicate we're not, we're not accusing you of anything, but we're also saying is you didn't capture on camera. You didn't do this. Not that we want people to do that necessarily, but it it makes things difficult when you're dealing with like some somewhere where somebody lives. Right. Right. Sorry about that. I got, um, I kind of got interrupted with my daughter. (laughs) That's all good. So, um, so I remember you asked me earlier about, um, between paranormal investigators and, would you say paranormal scientists? Oh, um, oh, yeah. It was uh, it was before we started recording. So, and and this is good because we we're kind of running uh, close on time. The one the one question that somebody kind of threw at me was, "You've got everyone on TV, and this is where a lot of people are learning about this stuff." This is how you know I got interested in it. What's the difference? What do you consider a paranormal investigator, a ghost hunter, and a paranormal scientist? I, I got to tell you, paranormal scientist is a new one for me. I think they're all basically basically similar. It's just about which one you prefer. I think ghost hunting is strange. I don't like the term ghost hunter because it's almost like you, you know, hunt something, you've got to capture it. And you, you know, it's almost like ghostbusters to a certain degree. It's like, what are you going to do once you do that? I like paranormal investigator because you're going through, you know, an investigatory process into strange events. Right, paranormal you know, scientists just—I mean, it's like people are just making things up to to be special. That's the way I see it. I, now we had a team in Virginia. Um, I'm not going to put their name out there, um, but they're very well known. And I remember I read an article um, that they had been the 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 founder, the the main investigator, had been interviewed. And the title of the article was: "Is there a difference between a ghost hunter and a paranormal investigator?" And nothing in there about scientists. Now, in an article, so he, he just threw about, it in there, right? Well, they had they had a journalist like yourself um, was actually wanted to do this article, but in, in in the beginning part of the article, he said how he he couldn't find anyone that would he could interview until one person stepped up and and decided to do the interview with him. And uh, apparently, this person said, you know, paranormal investigator is basically described almost like what a paranormal scientist would be where they get all these measurements of everything. You know, you talk about people that get like barometric measurements. They want to get temperature measurements. They want to get, you know, the different times of the day at, um, you know, people who are more into the paranormal phase of it, you know, like to look, the moon phases is one, you know, and all kinds of different things. Now, but, if you're you know, collecting this, that, that's way more than what I've ever done. 
Well, look, look. At I'm not saying it's unnecessary. I'm just saying like that. You're, I, I mean, it's it's almost like you're asking for something that might happen once in a lifetime or something that's just absolutely insane to happen. And you're expecting to find a pattern with it. And that's just not something that happens. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, you know, like, uh, the EDI, the, the, you know, the little EDI machine that a lot of teams like to get and they like, you know, it's like a hundred dollars and it, and it measures oh, yeah. all. it's got a, you know, I don't want that thing. We we use it. that, but like we we only use that to really kind of gauge a room. I've never actually used it as something that I I feel all too confident in. Oh no, I mean it's got too much measurements. The only thing I would find useful on it would be the temperature and EMF. Uh, other than that, I mean the whole barometric and and you know whatnot. It's it's kind of like you know, someone was trying to explain to me uh, the difference of an EM pump if you use a rare earth magnet from the North Pole compared to a rare, a rare earth magnet from the South Pole. To me, I'm just like, look, a magnet's a magnet, but they, they get into the whole science of it and everything like that. Me, you know, I, I, all the vibrations and everything, look, look where we live. You'd be, you'd be investigating a location and a semi will drive past you. Um, contaminate the noise and make a whole bunch of vibrations throughout the building that you're in, especially yeah. if it's a really old building. Me, I'm, I'm more about what I can capture. Um, the EVPs, I rely a lot on my EVPs. And I think throughout the, my investigation, I think I've captured some pretty good ones. Um, oh, you've got some of the best I've, I've ever heard. Like, yeah, honest that, to God, like you, you have. And a lot of time, that's what I rely on. The EVPs, um, maybe the, when I capture, you know, the apparition or anomaly from Graffiti House, that's all enough for me to say, there's something going on here. There's a good possibility it's haunted. Will we ever prove that something is haunted? I don't think we will. Unless you actually have a ghost that's going to come up and dance in front of your camera and say, hey, I'm here. You're not going to have, you know. Yeah. That, that's why I always give the disclaimer to people is, you know, we can't ever give you a definitive answer. We can only verify that something strange is happening. And in terms of like the, the stuff that's like on my checklist, like the one thing that I do do when we're doing like a walkthrough of a house is I always ask, how's the plumbing? Does it have Wi-Fi? Are the, are, are the circuits all up to date and safe? And do you have any history of mold? There have been places like there's that there's the, it's not the speakeasy, but I call it the crack house on princess street. The, the episodes out right now. It's the first episode of season two, like oh, that that's place, place. That's place you didn't want us to go. When we oh were my gosh. It's the, like, I, I, maybe I'm spoiled because I'm used to sleeping in like old plantations and inns and stuff like that. That place was like a fucking meth lab. It well, is the most unsanitary place I've ever been to for an investigation. Well, the funny thing is, when we were doing the speakeasy in the morgue, um, the owners of that building came. I did not. I did stuff. not. I did not know who they were. And you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, that place is a crack house. I mean, this is completely filthy. <laughs> like in oh, my def- in my defense, though, one, I didn't know who they were. But secondly, you know, they had never been more than five feet in the house. Yeah, and I even the property. Good. Yeah, even the property manager had never been more 
more than like 10 feet into the house. We were telling them about stuff that they never knew about. And, you know, for, for context, for, for people listening, they thought that they saw a shadow figure in there and the, and the, the one property manager has a, has a problem going up and downstairs. And it's a, it's like a four story freaking townhouse, but it's like, you know, places like that. Uh, I, I think I said this in an interview of Jim Harold recently on his Ghost Insights podcast, and I, I say this in the episode, that's one place I don't think is haunted. I think the place is so run down, and I think the place has so much problem. I mean, I had to go out and buy respirators, buy, buy freaking masks for, for that place because, like, Brian has asthma, and I didn't even want to try and assume what some of the black mold on the wall was. Yeah, when I saw y'all wearing them at the uh, at the morgue, I, I was wondering if you guys were getting ready to start painting walls. Or something. <laughs> we were we we're getting ready for Corona before Corona. <laughs> but you know what, though, if you went in that house the way you describe it, I don't think Corona would even want to follow you in there. No, it's like I was joking with my parents about Charlie Sheen. It's like Charlie Sheen must have everything but Corona. Maybe the cure is Charlie Sheen's tiger blood. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, Jason, we we covered a lot, and you know, I, I appreciate you taking your time to you know spend a little extra time talking about this stuff with me. I always love investigating with you and everyone else on your team, Matt and the others included. To kind of wrap this up, for people that you know may have. May, may believe us, may not believe us, but they've listened this far and they're thinking about whether or not maybe they want to start ghost hunting or maybe they just want to open their minds about this field. What, what's your suggestion for people that are curious about the, the supernatural and the paranormal and the things that, you know, keep you and I interested in this whole thing? I would say to get fine, you know, don't go to these local little in, you know, little ghost walks and stuff. I would say, you know, if, if you got a team, a real professional team that is willing to give you an experience, try to take it. You know, a lot of these teams like to have open ghost hunts. It doesn't hurt to go to them just to, you know, get a rundown, but it, it is good to meet people and then you can build connections. Uh, like for me, when people go on my YouTube channel, I had someone um, real quick. I had someone criticize one of my videos trying to say it was fake. I responded back saying, well, if you think my videos are fake, I invite you to come on the next investigation with us and see for yourself. And then they, re- they removed their comment. <laughs> I love doing you know, that. I do that to people too. It's like, I've got nothing to hide. I'm not going to badmouth anybody, but if you don't believe me, I challenge you to come with us. Outstanding. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Shoot me all the links for these things. I'm going to gather up everything so people can spend their weekend really just consuming all the content and all the evidence that, you know, you and I and our teams have really put together. I mean, there's a reason, folks, why I've spent so much of my time doing this. And Jason and I both have day jobs. We both have other commitments, but we do this because this really is one of the one of the areas of life that has always fascinated humanity, but we don't put much time and effort to because sometimes the questions are uncomfortable. Sometimes they make us question our very reality, but at the same time, it's exciting. We're pursuing the real secrets of the world that we live in, and it's a hell of a good time. So Jason, if people want to go ahead and check out um, all your all your videos, your YouTube channel, everything you and the others at Portsmouth Paranormal Society do, how could they do so? 
Um, then go to YouTube, type in Portion Paranormal Society. Um, our logo is actually a street lamp um, inside of a, a inside of a circle um, that represent the old town of Old Town Portsmouth. Um, follow us on Facebook. You can check us on Instagram. Um, matter of fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, they can actually watch the investigation of us when we did Fleetwood Church and Graffiti House together. I have two videos, one of the Graffiti House, which you can find what you what we believe to be the apparition when we were there by ourselves. And if you want to watch us investigate with uh, Remzo and Ryan, check out the uh, Graffiti House slash Fleetwood Church video. Um, feel free to go on there if you want to you know, check out the evidence where I'm always open for constructive criticism. Um, anything that we could do better as a team, try different tactics. We're, we're all ears. Outstanding. Well, folks, you heard them. As always, you can go ahead and find me on uh, all the platforms. You know how the internet works at Hey Remso. And uh, please, I mean, season two of The Witching Hour is out now. Uh, me and the team of Argos Paranormal have done uh, just, I mean, I think this is our best season yet. And the stuff we find, it's, you know, it's that journey into mystery that keeps us doing more. As always, I'm Rumps W. Martinez. Farewell. Have a good night. I'll talk to you later this week. Check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.